Excellent. Oh, cheers, mate. No well-worn paths. For some of us, uh, we've lived with that slogan, that prophetic statement for decades in some way or other. Uh, but for us as a church, we are feeling that genuinely, that there is a sense where we're doing, going places we've never been before. And uh, that's why we're dependent on uh, things like prayer uh, and on us all, really, being willing to step out and courage, generosity, breaking new boundaries, really. So it's an adventure, uh, and that's what we firmly believe this next new year will be. Uh, our first slide, if you could put it up there, Hannes, our first slide is 1 Peter 1. If you've got your Bibles, you might like to flick over there with me, or there. <laughs> I will bring the verse up on the screen, don't worry, if you haven't got your Bible or your phone's off or whatever. Um, but uh, 1 Peter 1. And of course, uh, for, uh, as far as uh, Minnie and Nat are concerned, uh, this is their third baby dedication. Uh, and of course, when you get to number three baby anyway, then it's very different from the first time around, isn't it? I mean, it's so much more relaxed, isn't it, Nat? Just, that's what it is. It's far more relaxed the third time around. And uh, I know Becca P, she's uh, ready to pop out number four. So it'll be just like ordinary day, really. No worries. No worries. Not a problem. Not even breaking a sweat, eh, Becca? Uh, <laughs> of course, I came across a story recently of a lady in the Ukraine who had given birth to 69 children. 69, lots of quadruplets in there and triplets and, and twins. No kidding, 69. I mean, can you imagine if you got to number 30, you've run out of all your names. You know, it's like, oh, uh, Harry 2, Harry, well, Johnny 4 or whatever it will be because 69? But the first time around, hey, it's very different, isn't it? I mean, you don't know anything. It's, it's all just a theory, no practice involved. You've read books, but that's as far as you've got. Uh, I can still remember when I, looking way, way back to laying eyes on my firstborn for the first time, uh, looking, uh, actually, they, I, was, I was clueless. They put Sam into my arms, and uh, I think it was literally, I think literally the first baby I'd ever held. And uh, I had nothing to compare it with. I had a pet cat at home, and I still remember, I kid you not, thinking, do I stroke him, uh, or do I, do I, do I pat him? I must kiss him, but he's a bloke, and oh, I don't know. All these first impressions, just showing how out of depth I was at the time, I knew nothing about being a father at that point, which, of course, is in total contrast to God, who is the ultimate father. We've been touching on that this morning, and as I was thinking about what to bring today, I felt drawn to this passage in 1 Peter, because I think, among other things, uh, I think it celebrates the incredible experience and perfection of God as Father. He is a very experienced Father. And so I want to take a few moments of your time just to look at this verse and, and these truths and unpack how they can transform our lives. So that's where I want to go. And before we do, I just want to pray again that the Father will continue to speak to us as he already has been. Hallelujah. Father, it's such a joy. Wow. It, it is. <laughs> it is a joy to be in your presence and to hear your voice. Oh, you've been speaking to us this morning, Lord. And Father, we pray that you'll continue to speak into every person's life here this morning, please. In Jesus' name, amen. So the passage, let's read the passage, shall we? Uh, if I can get this going, is it going to work today? Yes, it is. Let's all join in, shall we? Join in, and let's read this short verse. To God's elect, strangers in the world, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. All right, very short verse. 
And uh, Peter is speaking to churches that are scattered across now uh, ancient Asia or modern Turkey. Uh, and they're Christians who've been going through a very rough time. Families have been split up. People have been put behind bars for their faith and beaten. And, uh, and Peter's really seeking to comfort and strengthen them. And this passage is part of that comfort and strengthening. And it's a profound passage and, and profound because I think it lays out two sides of the same coin. Uh, on one side is the fact that as believers, we are now strangers or exiles in the world. Right? We, we are. When we give our lives to Jesus, something fundamental happens in us. The Spirit of God comes into us and changes us. We are born again, a new creation. And from that moment on, there's a sense where you no longer belong to this place, the world. You no longer belong there. So Jesus says at one point, you are now in the world, but no longer of it. And Paul, when he writes to the Philippians, he says to them at one point, your citizenship is in heaven. All right? That's your homeland now, no longer on earth. And then he goes on to say to them, he says, he says we're now being drawn heavenwards. All right? It's where you belong. So look, if you're a Christian this morning, you are made not for this age, but for the one to come. Right? Our orientation, our, our, our place is in glory with God. That's where we belong. And because of that, there are times when on earth we will feel like, we will feel like strangers to some degree. Out of sync with the world and its obsessions and its sin and its hopelessness. And uh, sometimes feeling unaccepted by our friends and, and people around us, misunderstood, no longer part of the inner circle. There are times when we'll feel like a stranger. That's one side of the coin. But there's another side too, and it's wrapped up in this phrase, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now, it's a phrase packed with lots of different truths, but I want to just bring out three this morning. Three truths to your attention today, because let me tell you, if you got hold of any one of these three truths, it would transform your life. I, I believe that. All right, so the first truth is this, the first truth, ready for it? The first truth is that yes, it's true that we are, it's foreknowledge of God. Yes, it's true. It's true that we are strangers in the world. But the bigger truth is this, is that we are deep in the hands of a perfectly heavenly father who is hugely experienced in the handling of us. He's not like a first time dad, all right? He is hugely experienced at fathering you. You see that phrase, chosen according to the full knowledge of God the Father. It means, among other things, that God knew all about you long, long before you were even born. And Sarah's already touched on that when she was praying for Macy. He'd already chosen to father you. Ephesians 1 unpacks this a bit further. Paul says, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus. In other words, before the foundation of the world, before all that you see was ever created, you were known to God. You really were. He'd already chosen to love you, to adopt you, to bring you into his family. In love, he predestined you. I think it's astonishing. In other words, you were, you were being fathered by God before you were born. That's the point. And when the time came to, he put you together inside your mum and, and crafted you, that's, that's Psalm 139, but he'd already loved you long before. In other words, look, you may feel like a stranger in the world this morning, like you don't belong. You may even feel like a, a stranger among your friends sometimes, 
misunderstood on the outer circle. You may even feel a stranger in your family this morning for all I know. But listen, you are not a stranger to God. You are not a stranger to him. He knew all about you before the foundation of the world. In fact, Psalm 139, uh, the psalmist says to God there, he said, uh, he said, he knew, he knew uh, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In other words, he'd already created a book about you before you were born. And parents sometimes do that, don't they? They kind of create this scrapbook, this kind of album, you know, the high points of the child's life. When it was born, you know, the first tooth that was cut, you know, first day in kindy, first day at school, a little album that you kind of keep and you pull out and you show your friends. Well, there's a sense really that God has already created a book like that about you. It was done many, many years ago. Blows my mind. Because look, the truth is, I may never amount to much in the eyes of the world. I may never mean much to many people, but already from long ages, I meant something profound to God. Profound to God. He already loved me, was fathering me. How good it is to know you're not some random cork bobbing around on the ocean out there. If you're a Christian this morning, you have been called and chosen. You are loved. So that's the first thing this verse shows me. We are intimately known by a very experienced Heavenly Father so we can trust Him. He is worthy of our trust. Look, you may not understand everything that's going on in your life right now, but you can trust Him. You can trust Him. He knows how to father you, right? So that's the first thing. That's the first great truth. But there are two others I want to mention to you. The second thing is this, is that in this verse lies an incredible assurance. And it's this, God's love for you, his acceptance of you, his commitment to you will never depend on how well you perform for him. All right? It doesn't depend on how well you can perform or impress him. It's not as if God is some stern father up in heaven with a kind of a scorecard watching your daily progress. You know, your kind of report card. How is he doing today? Uh, reading his Bible, give him a C. Mm. Okay, praying a bit. Oh, he's, a, he's almost a B. Oh, oh, he did that. Oh, that's a D. That's a D. Oh, another D. Oh, back to the back of the class for you. That is not God. No, his love for you has got nothing to do with your performance. How do I know that? Well, it's simple, really. This word foreknowledge, this word foreknowledge, it carries two different meanings here. The first is this. It means that long, long ages ago, God knew not just about you and me, but he knew all about you and what you would ever do or think. All right? All the ways that we would fail even before he chose us, every little thing, the good and the bad, all the ways that we would sin, and yet... Already knowing the very worst you would ever do, he chose to put his love upon you. He chose to put his love upon you. Hallelujah. He still chose you and me. You see, you've got to understand, you can't surprise God by your sin. All right? You can't shock him. It's not like when you sin, God's reaction in heaven is, oh my goodness, what did they do? What did he do? Oh, not that thing again. Oh, no. Oh, not, oh, my word. God is not going around like this with his hand to his forehead like this, going, oh, my word, they've done that again. If only, I, if only I'd known you'd be like that, I don't know whether I would have, you know, it's more like when you buy a car, really. You buy the car, you drive it off. A few days into buying your car, you hear something tapping under the hood and something falls off the back, and, and your reaction is, if I'd only known about this before, I would never have brought the thing. 
And there are many Christians who feel that's how God thinks about them. If only I had known. It's like, it's like, it's like imagine God permanently in a face plant position like this. Like, oh my goodness, I'm so disappointed. Oh my goodness. If I would have known that, I don't know whether I would have chosen her. I think many believers still live quietly like that. Yes, and so they think, yeah, God, God loves them, but he tolerates me. I'm the black sheep. I'll just scrape in, hopefully. But listen, no, no, no. Because he already knew all that you would ever do, even the worst things, those things that you're most ashamed of, I mean, look, wouldn't it be awful if somebody could hack into your life right now, into your thoughts and into your history, and scroll down on the screen every sin you've ever done? Even the worst sins, you know, dates, times, frequency, graphic images, the lot, you, personally, if that was to happen, how would you feel? You'd feel about that big, wouldn't you? And we'd all feel really embarrassed. It would be ultimately awkward, wouldn't it? The ultimate awkward situation. But listen, good news. God knew about all of that long ago. And so God is not shocked or disappointed in you. He already knew about you. He chose to love you anyway. He put his love upon you. Actually, the Bible says God sings over you in love. We are engraved on the palm of his hands. Hallelujah. So your performance, your behavior, good or bad, has got nothing to do with his love for you. It's totally different. But the other thing, listen, this word foreknowledge, the second meaning is this. Not only did he know what you would do, he also knew what he would do with you to clean you up. Hallelujah. God already knew that he would send his son into the world, who would become a man, who would walk the earth, who would remain perfect, and would come and die on a cross for your sins and for mine, and your shame and for mine. He had already in his plan, already knew that he would draw you to himself and bring you to a point when you would open your heart and he would come in and transform your life and bring you into his family. He already knew what you would do. In other words, what that means is this, is whatever is going on in your life, whatever you're doing, good or bad or indifferent, whatever is being done to you, you must never doubt his love for you. You must never doubt his love for you. You can't. You are loved. It was decided long ago you can't escape it. God pursues you. It's like Psalm 23, the last line of Psalm 23, it says, Goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. And Julian prayed that out, out earlier. God, you pursue me. The song we sang earlier, no mountain too high or no lie will pull it down. Why? Because he pursues us. Reminds me when our kids were very small and uh, the kind of routine we would follow is this, is when they're about, I don't know, eight or nine years old, seven or eight years old, I would drive them to school and uh, just before they got out the door, each child, I would just sort of give them a little smacking, a little kiss on the head, and they'd say, bye, Dad, kiss, and open the door, and they go into school, into the school entrance. Until one of my boys felt they were too old for that. And so they said, bye, Dad, and he quickly dived out the door and ran through the school entrance. And I probably shouldn't have done this, I know, but, but I thought, all right then. So I got out of the car, and I pursued him through the entrance. I pursued him across the quad. He was running. I pursued him into the corridor. I pursued him into his classroom. I pursued him right to the point where he met his friends. I picked him up. I gave him a big smacker on the top of his head. God pursues us. That's the point. God pursues us with his love. 
And this leads me to the last great implication of this verse, and it's this. Not only is God an expert father, not only are you free from ever having to win his love by your performance, the last thing is this. It's because he is this perfect father, he is committing to, is committed to seeing you grow and bring you into maturity and into his great purpose. And that shouldn't surprise us because every parent wants their child to grow up and mature, don't they? I mean, as cute as toddlers are, we don't want them to stay that way, do we? I mean, nappies and teddies are fine when you're two, but not when you're 20. All right? There are things that a little cute toddler can do that doesn't look cute on an adult. Isn't that true? I've got three grandkids, and they're as cute as anything, and they can just about get away with anything with me. They are so cute, incredibly cute. And yet, uh, two weeks ago, one of my granddaughters, she's uh, probably two years old, I kind of lose track, Uh, two years old-ish, and uh, she eats chicken, and she just chews chicken for ages and ages. She doesn't swallow, she just chews. Just chews. Just chews and chews. And then... The other week, she had a little idea popped into her head. And so there she is, standing across the room from me in our lounge. She's chewing away, pulls it out, and throws it at me across the lounge. (laughs) Bits of chicken everywhere. But she's cute. So I laughed. I know I shouldn't have laughed because it's, oh, let's do it again then. She's so cute. Now, Now, we corrected or are correcting her behavior. Why? Because if she's still doing that at 20 her circle of friends will be very small. I don't think she'll do well on her first date. We want our kids to grow and mature so they can become, they can come into all of their potential. Look, so it is and more so with God. He is not content to leave you in toddler's nappies. All right? He loves you too much. He has things for you to do. And it's all there in that phrase, foreknowledge of God. In fact, Ephesians 2 goes on to say this, For we are created in Christ Jesus uh, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, so God has places for you to go, ministries to launch, people to meet, nations to impact, a kingdom to bring in, and a world to change. And so his desire for you and me is that you grow into someone who loves godliness and hates wickedness. Who's passionate for his presence, who seeks to become a white-hot worshipper of God. That's who he's after. He's looking for passionate lovers of Jesus, not mediocre compromises. He's after people passionate for him. That's maturity. And, and uh, why? why? So he can include you in his purposes. So he can bring you into greater areas of experience and, and trust and responsibility. It's the heart of any father to do that. Look, I, I remember when I was only a little boy, uh, my dad, he worked for the trains. He worked for the New Zealand Railway uh, back then. And in the New Zealand Railways, Dad got quite high, actually, in the end. And uh, at one point, um, he was a, a chief civil engineer, and, and that meant this, that whenever there was an accident or a train de- de- derailed or came off the line, he'd get a phone call. And, uh, and that could be at any time, and he'd have to go to the incident and kind of oversee what was going on. Well, I remember one night, late at night, I was about 10, 12 years old, the call came, a train had come off the line just up the road here, actually, not that, not, not, not that far up the line. train had come off the line. Dad gets the call. 
And I still remember seeing his, his face around my bedroom door saying, do you want to come? So I thought, man, of course I want to come. So I jumped out of my PJs, jumped into my clothes. We got into the car. We drove down to the, the incident. And uh, when we arrived, it was like stepping into a world I'd never seen. There were lights and fire engines and spotlights and people running and uh, people shouting, clamor, big, big trucks rolling up. And then beyond that was this dirty great diesel engine on its side, larger than life, trucks spilled everywhere. It was huge. And there I was. And, uh, and Dad drew me in. He sat with me. Uh, he got me to sit with him around a, a fire as the, and with a group of men, and they were talking and planning about what they would do. And, uh, and to be honest, there I was. You know, I, I felt like I was sitting amongst, I don't know, kings almost. I mean, these men were, were talking about important stuff. And I felt like I was involved in important stuff, huge scale stuff, stuff that meant something far beyond anything I'd ever seen. I was amazed. I was blown away. I felt like a whole new world had opened up. Now, now, I guess from Dad's perspective, it was like, well, he's old enough to take this in. He's mature enough for me to trust him. I'll bring him along. From my perspective, it was, I was blown away. I, was, I felt privileged, to be honest. I was touching things and, and seeing things far beyond me. And I felt privileged. Point is, our Heavenly Father has, has much He would like to show us. Much to draw us into. Things that are close to His heart and are eternal. His kingdom, His heart for the nation, His passion for His church, revival, His desire for the knowledge of His glory to fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's the big stuff that God is interested in. You see glimpses of it at the last book of the Bible. We don't fully understand what revelation means, but we know it's big. And God wants to draw us into that. That's the heart of the Father. The question is, are you up for it? Are you positioning yourself to be drawn into that? Are you pursuing Him? Are you hating sin and pursuing holiness? Are you laying down cozy preferences for His great purposes for His stuff? And we talked about pursuit prayer a few minutes ago. You know what that pursuit prayer meaning really is? It's just drawing near to His stuff. Because we're praying about things that are on his heart, his glory coming, nations to be touched by him. Hallelujah. I think what a privilege to be there. We hear him speak about his stuff to us. I think what an awesome responsibility. And so we resolve in our hearts to put away toddler's toys and toddler's behavior where, where everything's centered around you because that's how a toddler is, isn't it? It's all about me, mine, mine. I'm hungry. Play with me, play with me. No, we pursue him, his ways, his holiness, his presence, his lordship. Listen, a church that does that will be involved in some big stuff. And I know that is God's heart for us as a church. No well-worn paths, you better believe it. God is going to lead us ways that we've never been. And it's not going to be small stuff. Folks, can you hear the voice of God in this? It's like, church, where are you? I want to involve you. I want to bring you to where my heart is and where my agenda, my purposes are. It is far bigger than you've ever known. So come. Come. Position yourselves. Where are you? Please don't play with toddler's toys when God has 
a world to reach. And there's glory to bring. It's the heart of a father to mature us. We have to respond to this. Listen, you've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. He is very experienced in dealing with you. Are you trusting him? You may be visiting us this morning and you're thinking, I don't know whether I even know this God you're talking about. I don't even, I've come in, I've heard you sing, I've sent something in the room, I don't know what it is. And you seem to be passionate about what you know. What is this? I'm sensing something. Look, if that's you, then can I encourage you to see it this way, that the God who foreknew you and long before you were born is the God who's knocking on the door of your heart right now saying, let me in. I'm already working in your life. I'm bringing you to a point where you will say, then come in and be Lord of my life and make something meaningful of me. If that's you, understand that challenge this morning. For the rest of us, are you trusting him? Number two, he loves you whatever your performance. Are you celebrating his love? Let's be really good at celebrating the love of God, irrespective of how things have gone, the good and the bad. And then number three, in his love for you, he's wanting to take you on to maturity. Are you laying hold of him? Understand the heart of the Father this morning is, oh, please, I want to draw you in. I want to grow you. I want you to follow me. No well-worn paths, just my path. Come and follow. If that's you this morning, hear the voice of the Father and respond. Let's stand, shall we? Let's just stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So many of our songs this morning, so many of our prayers were about, I believe, this very theme. About the God who pursues. The God who loves. No mountain too high. I believe God is pursuing everyone here in this room. If you've never ever, ever asked the Lord Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, he's pursuing you this morning. Do you know that? He's pursuing you. He's brought you right here today. He's pursuing you. Maybe you've wandered away from God and been away for a long time. He is pursuing you. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow you all the, way, all the days of your life. He will track you down. And for every one of us, as Julian prayed early, earlier, as we are seeking to follow him, he, he will pursue us to take us further into his presence. He is the Father who pursues. So just as we're standing for another minute or two longer, we're going to stand before him and allow him to continue to speak to us. Father, we are here before you. Each one, an individual, Father, you knew about each one of us long before the world was formed. Father, you are truly an experienced Father, and we trust you. We put aside anxiety or fear, and we trust you, and you're dealing with us. Father, thank you. It's got nothing to do with our performance. I thank you, Lord, that you already embrace us. You knew what we would do and you knew what you would do to win us back. 
Thank you for such love. And Father, we stand here this morning knowing that your heart is to take us further. There are things that you want to show us. There are things that you want us to participate in. Oh, Father, save us from living in the futility of the world's agenda. The vision of the world that says, so long as you've got 2.4 kids and two cars in the driveway and a holiday on the Gold Coast, you're fine. God, deliver us from that if that is our mentality and bring us into the scale of your stuff, which is truly eternal in size and scope and scale. Father, you've made us not for this age, but for the one to come. Help us to live like it now. In Jesus' name. Father, we are yours. We are here for you. We say we love you. Please, by your spirit, speak to us. Challenge us. Help us in those areas where we know we need to make a change. We need to let go that thing that belongs to childhood and not to maturity. That sin where we've wandered away and allowed it to take over. We want to see it crushed and gone. We might stand free and able to embrace all that you want to bring us into. Father, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. I do believe that prophetically God has, uh, in particular, there are folks that, that, that God has on his heart. There are people in this room that God is saying, I want to talk to you about this. I want to see change in your life. I, I want to bring you into some stuff. You've never asked the Lord Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Do it now. Literally a prayer away. Allow him to bring you in to his family and father you. Quietly between you and God, you know, you sense. There are things you want to change, you need to change. You don't want it to rule over you anymore then now is the day to let it go. In the power of His Holy Spirit, He can free you and set you right and on a new path. That's you this morning. Then express newfound maturity and say, yes, Lord, I am here for you. I respond. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to close with a song. And as we do, if you're sensing the presence of God upon you, maybe physical, maybe just a sense in your heart, the Father is speaking to me, and I want to see change in my life. Today is the day of freedom for me. Then come forward. We'd love to pray for you. such a loving father he wants to heal you as well if you need healing he's here to bring healing and freedom in every every way that word can be used emotionally spiritually physically we're going to sing a song as we sing the song if you that's you then just respond come forward we'd love to pray for you at the end of the song you may have a word from god for individuals here and there'll be an opportunity then to bring that word because the Father still wants to speak. So let's sing. If you know you need to respond, then do as we sing the song. Thanks, Jesus.